Another edition of Riding Home, this time Dean Luggy with a special guest, Josh Kendall, who covers Carolina for The Athletic now, covered them for the state for a long time. Also, Josh was a beat reporter covering Georgia from 2000, at least 2003 on, right? What, where were you before that? Well, let's see, Jim Donovan's first or last year. What was Jim Donovan's last year? Oh, two, 2000. Oh, 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 yeah, 2000. 2000. And so the so two of 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, 2000, you know, discussion about South Carolina and Georgia this week. I mean, the dogs are a, a three-and-a-half touchdown favorite over Carolina, a Carolina team that has had, um, since Steve Spurrier's left, um, really one season that's been, I would say, memorable, the the year 2017 when they beat Michigan in the Outback Bowl. But even that year, uh, their arch-rival Clemson going to the playoff and then their number two rival, so to speak, Georgia playing in the playoff. But when you look around the league, Josh, Georgia and Carolina – um, you know, Georgia with the, the hire of Kirby Smart, um, would he have been able to do the same sort of thing at Carolina? Or do you think that the com- combination of Kirby and Georgia is something that would have been tougher to, to replicate at Carolina? Oh, I think it would have been much tougher to replicate at Carolina. I think that, you know, Kirby took over a program that had won 20 games in the previous two years. Will took over a program that had won 10 in the previous two years. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think you start right there. That excludes all the other what I think are natural advantages that Georgia has as a program um, in terms of its geography and, you know, so so proximate to one of the best recruiting areas in the country and, and historical tradition and, and being a lot more of a name brand than South Carolina is. So I just – Will suffers by the comparison um, to what Kirby has done, but it's just not a fair comparison. I don't think it is either. I think, too, it shows how well um, your old friend Steve Spurrier did at Carolina. I mean, you could make the argument that he's the greatest coach at two different places in the SEC. I mean, I don't think there's much question he's the greatest coach at South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, he's the winningest coach, certainly, at two different places in the SEC. And I think only he and Bear did that. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I don't know if anybody ever appreciates anything in the moment, but especially football fans. But you, that... Three eleven win seasons is never going to be replicated. Well, how, is, is five um, wins in it, a row against Clemson going to be replicated anytime soon? Right. I mean, those things were 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 almost never going to be replicated, no matter what. They're certainly never going to be replicated in the current reality, which is that Georgia and Clemson are both on basically unprecedented runs in their program's history, and you're stuck geographically and sort of psychically between both of those programs in South Carolina. So. Yeah, I, I think Will suffers when compared to his predecessor. He suffers when when compared to his former college teammate. And South Carolina is suffering this year because they've lost to North Carolina and Missouri. And you know, so they've got to get this. They've got to get things kind of pointed in the right direction here. But that's a real tough ask this week. Yeah, I mean, we had a podcast last night talking about are we completely dismissing Carolina's chances too quickly? I hate doing that in sports, but you know, it's. Even with it being a noon game, even with I mean the, the Feaster running back is looks pretty legit to me, um, but one guy is not going to beat this army of efficiency that that Kirby has built over here. Uh, you know I've I've seen him now shake hands with a lot of people at midfield, and you know 
there was a look on Jeremy Pruitt's face this past week like, you know, we knew this was coming, kind of. And, and and this is the wrong way to yeah. put it too, Josh, but it seems sometimes when I watch Kirby see, um, see old friends, whether it's Will or Jeremy or even Derek Mason, just guys that he knows, kind of, um, he's not going to have this with Gus or with uh, Dan Mullen, but... Um, when he gets to the middle of the field, it's it's almost like he feels sorry for him. It's it's what it's what it well, looks like. He, to me. Probably, he probably does to some way, and I think he probably understands better than any of us. You know that that he is in a much better situation than some of his old um, old teammates and old coaching colleagues. But uh, you know, I, I don't. We, you're right. We cannot and should not dismiss South Carolina's ability to win no. the game, but there just doesn't feel like a blueprint where that happens. Um, Look, South that, Carolina has got a pretty good run game this year, but Georgia has smothered the run for the most part. Um, I, I just don't see where South Carolina sneaks up and steals this. When you look at – I think the thing that Kirby did in his time at Georgia or in his time since Georgia really – that maybe guys like Will, Mike, Bobo, um, you know, Derek Dooley even, I guess, not really Derek Dooley, but just the, the coaches that have ties to Georgia. I think Kirby played the political game in a way that no one else did, in a way that he he became friends with um, people who mattered. And he was never dismissed. I remember a long time, folks on the message boards and, you know, you can say whatever you want to about message boards, but they have plenty of people on there that know what they're talking about. And they their their view of the world was that Kirby would never be the coach at Georgia because of X or whatever it was. But all the time, he had figured out the right people to talk to at Georgia to the point that when Mark's time was coming you know, to a close, and when it did close... There was no one else they really considered. I mean, they didn't consider Tom Herman or Justin Fuentes or Will Muschamp. It was only Kirby. And that's the same, that planning, I guess, if you want to call it that, is the same thing it feels like he does in recruiting. He just knows the right people to deal with. He knows the right way to talk to people. Did you think, I mean, if Mark had been fired in 2010, the likelihood of Kirby Smart being the head coach of Georgia at that time was not high, would you say? Right, and I think time—you know—timing is is important. We, you know, I think we're both believers in that. Timing is critical in life, and and Kirby, I think, gets some credit—not all the credit, some credit for the timing because yeah. I think he probably started to map this situation out a while back. I think that's and put right. himself in position and knew that Mark Richt knew in, in 2010 uh, that Mark Richt was not imminently going anywhere and that he wanted to play the long game. Meanwhile, Will Muschamp, you know, who was at Texas, and Texas is head coach in waiting, had an opportunity much earlier at different places. And it's not like, <clears throat> excuse me, you're going to turn down Florida to wait for your alma mater. If you've got a chance at an SEC job, you take it. And we know how that worked out. But I think Kirby, through some good fortune, which everybody needs, and through, like you say, good planning, put himself in the in the right position so that he was the guy. And when it came down to it, he was much better positioned and a much more attractive candidate, I think, a more a more attractive candidate than Will Muschamp. When you have 
both of these jobs coming open at about the same time. I just think that that was, you know, Kurt, that Kurt, situation felt almost inevitable by the time people were signing contracts there. The the two schools, there were four schools, essentially, from my understanding of things. There were four SEC schools that that always noticed or paid attention to Kirby, but two of them took him more seriously. The four include South Carolina, Tennessee, Georgia, and Auburn, with Georgia and Auburn paying the most attention. I mean, that all and and Georgia and Carolina and Tennessee wouldn't know it as well as Georgia and Auburn would because what Kirby was doing in those states, you know, in Alabama and in, in Atlanta slash Georgia was he was defeating them year after year with important players like Alvin Kamara, uh, you know, enter the name of anyone from Georgia that played at Alabama. And it mattered. Right. Der- Derrick Henry, you know, Derrick Henry was, yeah. was at least in part Kirby. Jake Fromm was going to go to Alabama. So uh, Dalvin Tomlinson, there were a lot of guys that wound up, the, uh, up over there, but, you know, that you could get Dalvin, excuse me, that you could get Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara. Um, they, they both didn't play at Alabama for four years, but one of them won a Heisman Trophy there and the other one rips up the NFL all the time. It just showed how good of a job that Kirby could do. Now, he was, again, yeah, he wasn't exclusively the guy for for either of those guys, particularly Derrick, but, but he was a big part of it and he would have been a huge part of Jake Fromm. So Georgia and, Bama, Georgia and, and Auburn really understood it. I don't know... If at the time Carolina's leadership knew how important he was in the world of recruiting, I think he's the best recruiting person. Period. I thought it was used to be um, Urban. I don't. I don't know. I think Kirby is probably as good as it gets. You can see that it's hurting Alabama to some degree um, in ways that no one really would have ever thought. But it does hurt them on the margins, and that's what it takes in this league. Do you think? That I mean, I don't want to. I've been talking so much about Tennessee here lately. I, I hesitate to even turn the conversation towards them. But in the in the game of chess, that is, you know, the next generation of coaches in the SEC. Some of these guys are having a hard time even getting to be in the next generation. I mean, Will is in a rocky situation right now in Columbia. I think he's done a pretty good job, generally speaking, at Carolina. I'm not sitting here saying right. it's the same thing as what Spurrier did, but I'm not. I mean, uh, you know, look at Jeremy Pruitt. That looks like a hot dumpster fire with no water in sight. Um, you know, and others. I mean, Mike Bobo is on the verge of being out at Colorado State. Um, Derek Dooley has been around the block a time or two. It, it's tough out there. Right. Well, I mean, I, I think that, there's no question that Kirby is, I think, the best recruiter in the SEC um, at the moment. And, you know, singularly, um, they're recruiting as a group as well as Alabama. Um, and I think Kirby probably stands alone. If you're just single out one guy that you wanted to be your recruiter, your your deal closer, your head coach as a recruiter, I certainly think it's Kirby. And and I think that if if you're going back, you know, circling back around to the timing issue, you know, and and whether or not South Carolina how well they played administratively. What you have to remember is they weren't, they weren't ever really in control of their timing. See, that was always Steve yeah. Spurrier's time. Georgia was to some degree. Georgia, when they realized they needed to make a move to get Kirby, they felt like they were in a tenuous position. 
if they waited a year, they moved Mark Richt out of town. South Carolina, I think, probably didn't do a lot of advanced planning because they didn't know what they were planning for when they were planning for. So instead of feeling like we got to get everything lined up for this year, they were just kind of waiting for Steve to be to, to be gone and, and then going to move from there. Yeah, and then Steve goes in the middle of the year, and you're kind of caught, you know, red-handed a little bit. And by the time and, – and, and, and South Carolina was just never going to – Lure Kirby Smart over ahead of Georgia. There not, are very not few ahead guys of South Carolina. Would, not ahead of Georgia, but would lure could, ahead of Georgia. But they could have gotten him before that, right? But they weren't in control of that. They were not going right. to move Steve Spurrier. You know, to get him before the, to get him before that, they would have had to move Steve Spurrier out of the way, and they were right. not going to do that. That was just never going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I, I just that was never going to happen. And they, I, again, this is not me advocating for Carolina to fire most champ. I, I think, I th- I thought they would be better this year than they are. I'll say that. But at the same time, um, you know what, what happens in Columbia slash in in this state, generally speaking, talking about South Carolina. This is not exclusive to Carolina. This goes both ways with them in Clemson. They are, I would say, those two fan bases are over-obsessed with one another and what the other is doing. Georgia doesn't really have that situation. I mean, Georgia Tech doesn't really, you know, they're not in the universe of Georgia and athletics. And Florida and Georgia are so far removed geographically in terms of where the fan bases are. You know, in South Carolina, whether you're in you know, Bennettsville or Bamberg, everyone's kind of lumped together. I mean, there's more Carolina fans probably in the state than there are Clemson fans, although you wouldn't know it if you drove around here lately. But generally speaking, it's barely a, a Carolina state, I would say. But I'm old enough to remember when Dabo Sweeney was nearly run out of town for losing to Carolina. Not the fifth time, but I think it was like the fourth time when South Carolina beat yeah beat them and just, I mean, I don't want to say embarrass them, but they consistently, Clemson, underperformed uh, in those games against Carolina when they were both ranked teams or one of them was ranked. And the two fan bases there, I mean, you can't talk about South Carolina without talking about Clemson and Clemson about Carolina. There's, they really are interrelated, interrelated in a very – uh, it's not narcissistic's not the word, but if you could have a narcissistic duo, they're just as bad as Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Auburn and Alabama. They just they're kind of, and I'm going to get hated on for this, but they've been loser programs until these last couple of you know until this decade. I mean, nobody really thought about either of these programs. Um, certainly, no one thought about Carolina before Spurrier did what he did. And they just kind of played one another at the end of the year, and you know that's how it went. But Carolina can't help but look at the two national championships in Clemson and say, "Hey, wait a second now." That's they 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 want to. I mean, I know part of them wants to say, "Hey, that's bullshit," because y'all aren't going through what we're having to go through. And then the Clemson people are like, um, "We just beat Alabama by a hundred. So what's your problem?" Right. It's it's and it and it never ends. I mean, like it goes back and forth on Facebook between those groups, those two. It it never stops. 
There's right. no su- there's no such thing, are, Josh. There's no such thing as a sco- there's no such thing as a scoreboard in that rivalry. It never ends. Right. I think they have an unhealthy uh, fascination with the other program. Yes. I think both sides do. I don't think there's any any question about that. And I think one of the things that Spurrier did to the betterment of South Carolina's program was deflect some attention from the Clemson rivalry to say. We're not just going to worry. You know, being one and eleven is not good enough, even if it is Clemson. We're not going to worry about Clemson. We're going to take down the beat Clemson signs twelve months out of the year, and I and I think that that helped South Carolina improve. It wasn't a huge part of it, but it helped. So yeah, given that you're in this constantly symbiotic relationship right now, that's really bad news for Carolina because Clemson is on such a roll and beating their brains out and beating them on the recruiting trail, and their fans are crowing. Um, really loudly, as, as as they have the right to do, because they're the defending national champions. So, yeah, that makes. And I mean, and, and Clemson got there, it. There is no Clemson, side. Clemson got it as bad as Carolina is getting it now, if not worse, in that five year period. Yes. Because oh, again, yeah. Carolina has been the loser in this thing for way longer than. I mean, I can't think of another state where the flagship school is not the winning team, and they and they gave it back to Clemson hard. For that 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 time period, I mean, three game three wins in a row over Clemson was almost unheard of. They did it for five. Oh yeah, and they they crowed about it louder than anybody in the country probably, yes. and loved you know reveled in it and enjoyed it as they you know enjoyed it and you know miss it greatly. So uh, I, I don't think that there's. I, I can assure you, they miss it greatly. That's totally true. Yeah. Oh, they 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 absolutely do, but it just. It goes back to bringing it back around to this Georgia South, uh, the Georgia game, South Carolina game this weekend. There's there's nowhere if you're South Carolina and Will Muschamp right now to turn where things look good, where you feel like yeah. you've got a good solid hold on things. Your two biggest rivals are way out in front of you on long winning streaks against you. So you know that that makes it difficult. And you know this this week will not be as bad. I, I'm assuming losses for South Carolina against Georgia and Clemson. This week won't be as bad as, as the as the Clemson week. I that loss you. won't hurt the South. This loss won't won't hurt South Carolina people as much. But I think the reality of it will – I think they're kind of numb to, to where the Georgia rivalry is right now. They're not quite numb to the Clemson rivalry yet. No, they're, but they're kind of numb to the Georgia rivalry. Not a lot of people expect to win. So, you know, they'll – They'll take this loss, what, what I expect to be a loss, and and move on, and and then really worry about turning things around this season. But you know that lots of people, almost all the people outside of South Carolina's football building in Columbia, are expecting a, a South Carolina loss. Well, I'll, I'll you know if if Carolina were not named South Carolina and Clemson were coming to town, I would give them just as good a chance of tripping up Clemson, who sometimes forgets their pads in Death Valley when they go on the road, it seems like, in these games. Um, but that they're playing Carolina in Columbia and everybody knows what's at stake in that rivalry, I don't think Clemson would lay an egg in it. But, I mean, we are talking about a program that they just don't play well sometimes. And it's like out of the blue. Yeah. So you just never know. But, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I you want. I, I'll say this about this Georgia Carolina thing. You do want more for this game. Of late, you know, Georgia hasn't exactly um, beaten South Carolina's brains in over the history of the world. 
But this would be, I mean, if if if, if what Las Vegas thinks holds up, this would be this would be as good a run against Carolina as in as in my lifetime because it would be um, five straight games, if I'm not mistaken, with uh, double digit wins: 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. That that would be pretty unprecedented in this time. Um, and a couple of those Georgia teams were not very good, and they still did that to Carolina. So we'll just we'll just see. I don't know South. This is what Carolina has been for a long time, though, Josh. They've been better than this, but they are a, a program that has struggled to get past the seven-win mark for a long time. And the five-year span that they were beating up on Clemson, which coincided with their best five years in school history, has masked some of the reality that is South Carolina football through the years, and to some degree South Carolina athletics. But um, we will welcome you back to Sanford between the hedges. You'll see. Can't wait. I, 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 one thing before we go, when was the last time you were at Neyland Stadium? Two years ago? Yeah, two years ago. They got a long way to go, man. It's The, the, the football team? Well, the football team is one thing, but the structure, oh, the it's just it's that stadium. I didn't realize it was just, it just doesn't look as nice as it should, I guess is, is the way I would put it. No. No, they're, I mean, they're, yeah. The Tennessee's in trouble. Tennessee, that program's in trouble. All right. Thanks to Josh Kendall from The Athletic for joining me today. Uh, click subscribe if you're listening on YouTube. Everybody else, we appreciate you listening. We'll see you on the website, dogpost.com, D-A-W-G-P-O-S-T.com. We'll see you on the website.